learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. How many resumes do you need to see to fill a role? Let's take this a step further. How many people do you need to interview for you to fill that role? If you guessed one, you are correct. What's wrong with Gloria wanting to wait to interview more people before making a decision on the person that was just interviewed? The answer is everything. Waiting to interview other people is a ridiculously clear beacon that you have a weak interview process and not being able to gather enough data and make a decision within 24 hours is not only a waste of your time, but the other person's as well. Comparison shopping is how bad hiring decisions are made. I'm Rick Gerard and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and business leaders win the right hire. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry leaders like our guest today, Jody Brandstetler. She is the chief talent strategist of Lean Effective Talent Strategist, LLC. Jody is passionate about talent acquisition and uses design thinking and creation, selection, and hiring processes focused on people and business. She is certified through IDEOU in design thinking. Jody is the CEO and founder of Lean Effective Talent Strategies, which includes the hiring blueprint, talent acquisition consulting firm, and talent acquisition evolution, a community for recruiting professionals to connect, learn, and work together, which is what makes Jody the perfect expert for today's topic. Jody, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hi, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? in the dream. You stole my line. I love saying that one. Today, we're going to talk about the dangers of comparison shopping when it comes to hiring. And then we're going to give you guys a plan of attack to enable quick decision making for each individual that's interviewed. Not like, let's just wait and see what else we get type thing. Because I don't know about you. I hate that. I think everybody hates it. Let's start with the issue here. The challenge today is that some hiring managers and some entrepreneurs feel like, hey, look, at I need to interview a bunch of people before I make a decision. What's wrong with that? There's so many reasons that's wrong. One, it just shows lack of confidence in the hiring manager's capabilities of hiring. If you have that perfect candidate has everything that you want for that role, you should be able to pull the trigger immediately and get that person on your team. It's just common sense, in my opinion. By the way, there is no perfect candidate. They're looking for a perfect candidate. Maybe ideal candidate. Or strong. Yes. I've seen hiring managers who have literally the person they want and they still can't pull the trigger. So it literally pretty much is that what you would call a perfect candidate and they still can't pull the trigger until they talk to, I don't know, maybe three, five more people just in case if someone just else might be better. What? what just in case is going to happen is you're going to end up hiring your fourth pick because everybody else is going to pass on you. Exactly. You got to treat it like a dating scenario. You might go out on a date and that's the interview. You decide after that one, two, maybe three dates, like, okay, I really like this person. I want to hang out with. You have to pull the trigger. Yeah. Think about that. You find someone you really like, you want to spend more time with, you're going to be like, hmm, I'm going to wait and talk to three other people to see if they might be a better partner. 
no, you go with that person that you feel comfortable with and you need to continue that relationship, continue the dating. Now, we're not asking you to marry them, but you're asking to commit to moving forward to being hired. Marriage and interviewing and hiring, I think are a little different, but there's still commitment there. And I think they can commit after the process that you just made that person go through. Because you know, it's not just one interview that that person just went through to get to the hiring manager for them to make that decision. No, it's three to five people. And the fact of the matter is, You've spent plenty of time with that person to be able to gather the right evidence to support making a hire or not. You can't, let's see what else better comes along. It's just silly. The number one reason why you don't want to do this is you're going to lose your best hire every time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you got lucky. That's it. But more often than not, I remember when I first got into recruiting, I don't know if you learned this, Jody, but my old boss or mentor used to say, time kills deals. And there's truth to that. The more time that passes, the more I forget about you. Exactly. And the more time that you give that candidate to find something better. Yeah, because you've probably done a really shitty job and actually conveying to them that your opportunity is the best opportunity for them. Probably. And if you can't make a good hiring decision, you're probably not providing really good content good information to get that candidate really excited about your company. Agreed. So why is this important to the company? First off, when you have that confidence, you're willing to go straight to the person that makes the most sense and hire them immediately. Your time to fill goes down drastically. You're not taking a lot of resources from your business. You're not expecting that hiring manager to spend hours upon hours talking to other candidates for no reason. And then it really does help improve business performance um, because they're taking that time instead of looking at more resumes or doing more interviews, they're actually being productive and getting their job done. So I have this hypothesis whenever I've got a comparison shopper that I'm working with is that they really just don't know how to interview. Yeah, That's really the biggest problem is at the root, they're afraid to make a hiring decision because of the fact that they don't have the right content to be able to extract data that's going to support whether or not the person should be hired or not. And I'll actually take it to the next level and say, not only can they not interview, they can't create a, what I call a candidate persona that really shows them exactly who they need to hire. They can't really tell you what background, what experience, what skills, what can they actually train the person on versus them bringing it with them. So being able to paint that picture for a recruiter so that they're looking for the right people for you to hire can really cause damage when you're bringing people to the forefront and being interviewed by the hiring manager. So very true. Are you listening to the Hire Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Jody Brandstetler. She's the chief strategist of Lean Effective Talent Strategist. And we're talking about the fact that you only need to interview one person to fill one role. It's common math. I think common core math will even tell you that. It's shocking what they're teaching. I totally agree. Think about this. People will judge you based on the quality of your questions as opposed to what you have to say. So therefore, your Interview questions must be intentional and specific and have a purpose. Let's give our hiring managers something that they can plug into their business that solves this problem. That sounds great. So I have an idea. We talked about this before. We got a plan for them. It's the Hiring Manager Anonymous, a community for hiring (laughs) managers that have a hiring problem. It's a 12-step process. Well, actually, it's only 10. We actually eliminated two of those steps to give them time back. 
There you go. Yeah. See? And you get a chip at the end of it too. Absolutely. <laughs> and you get to tell other people that you've been able to get through this journey and you know what to do and you can help them. It's amazing. You can give back to these other hiring managers who need to be in this program. Walk me through this program. So the first thing is you have to admit that you have a problem. So you have to say, okay, there's definitely something wrong with how I'm making my hiring decisions. I'm lacking the training. I'm lacking the tools to actually find the right person and that I'm lacking the confidence to pull the trigger once I find that person. So that's step one is always recognizing that you have the problem. Okay. Forgive me, I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you have to find the tools and training to solve that problem. So you have to be able to find ways to learn how to interview, how to create strong interview questions, and then you have to implement it and see how it goes. Okay. So now is something like, where do you want to be in five years? Or why are you interested in our company? Are those good interview questions? No, those are fillers. Why? Those are filler questions. I can't tell you what I'm going to do tomorrow. Why do you need to know what I'm going to do in five years? That's common Well, that's the thing. That... It's common and it puts me into my database of canned answers. Yeah. Are you really getting to the heart of who I am or whether or not I'm going to be able to perform for your company? Are you really understanding how I'm going to impact your department and your business and be able to help you excel? Are you understanding my background? They always talk about behavioral interview questions. Tell me about a time, which I think a lot of this can be strong and it can give you an understanding of who that person is, but then being able to also say, well, here's a scenario. How are you going to deal with it? Which is the hiring for smarts mentality. So those are the questions you should be asking, not what type of animal you are and why, even though I would be, <laughs> what's my answer? Oh gosh, honey badger. Cause they don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like honey badger. Honey badger doesn't give a shit. That's for sure. Yeah. One of my favorite YouTube things in the world. The root of this is the interview questions. That's really what we're talking about. Let's just solve this problem. We figured out that we ask bad interview questions. How do we solve that problem? So what's a good interview question? How do we craft those? You have to craft it in understanding what you want that person to bring with them. So what type of experience are you looking for? Asking them to be able to provide you with some examples and then also being able to ask those future state questions and then be able to wrap your head around how they would actually take the experience that they have today and bring it to your organization. And then I would say the hiring manager needs to provide some insight as to how that person answered the question. Is that going to make sense for that organization? Can they then tell them, well, actually we have a process that we do and it's X, Y, and Z. How do you feel about that? Understanding their experience, real experience about what they're bringing to the table how are they going to use it there? And then tell them how that would actually impact the business and how that inlines with the company. So focus on company values, focus on goals for the business. Any questions around that's going to probably be a better experience for both. I have two words for you. Behavioral interview. Do you like behavioral interview questions? I like some of them if it makes sense. Why does it not make sense? I do not like the, tell me about a time when you had a difficult customer and how you handled it. Why not? I don't like it because... It's too generic. I want you to tell me about a specific project you were on or a specific task. How did you excel in it? How did you fail in it? And what did you learn from that? Like, I want to know actually what you're doing. I can lie all you want about how I deal with difficult customers. It's a traditional, normal question that everyone asks. So everyone has a canned response. I want some questions that make people think and they have to actually process their information and then be able to provide me with an answer because then they're actually giving me real 
real-time information that I know that they're really paying attention to what they're doing and they're giving me good data. Bad data is fake canned responses. No, I totally agree with you. The one example that you gave, walk me through a time where you had a difficult customer. Isn't that walking through a real-life scenario though? Yes, but it's probably one of the most well-known behavioral interview questions that you have. You don't like it because it's common. Yes. But it is better than, so why are you here? What do you do on the weekends? I would take that over the high school question or yes. How many kids do you have? <laughs> you can't yeah, ask definitely them. Definitely over those. <laughs> I know you can't, but I would take that customer do. service question over. But do hiring managers know that? Do they know what questions they can and cannot answer? I don't know if they all know that. I have a lot of examples of times where I've had to educate hiring managers that you can't ask that question or mm, that probably wasn't something you should have gotten into with the candidate. And can I tell you why? So again, that's part of the training that our hiring managers are lacking. I did a really quick LinkedIn poll and I think I was at 60% of people said they have never gotten any training at all when they were doing hiring decisions. So if they don't have the training, they don't know what do they know? Nothing. And then what percentage of that was have been trained, but it was bad training? Oh, I didn't even ask that one. That would be interesting. <laughs> That's my follow-up poll. My follow-up poll. Yeah, I'd be curious to see that. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. If you take your behavioral questions and you time your corporate values, I learned this from Amazon. Amazon does this pretty religiously, is that they evaluate you on your core value alignment for their company. Their first one is customer obsession. They actually ask that question. So tell me about a difficult customer. They drill down into it. That's the important thing about behavioral questions that make them work or not work. If you stay on the surface, they're not going to work. But if you dig underneath the hood, oh yeah, okay, great. Then what did you do? Then that puts you in a position where you're gathering a lot of really solid evidence to support making a hire. But also, you know, it eliminates bias. It promotes diversity and thought and experience throughout the process. Behavioral questions bring a ton of value. And then make it easy on the hiring managers. Have a library of interview questions and then assign them to whoever's at that position in the interview process. Yeah, absolutely. I've worked with a lot of clients and former corporate positions where we did have a repository of interview questions. And then we would build interview guides specifically to that position. And then we would look at the values of the organization. We would look at the core goals of that group, what that role involves so that we were building an interview guide that actually had questions that should help them make a good sound decision. Now, the thing I would say is you can't just let that be stagnant. It has to be a working document. And you have to keep going back and looking and saying, do these questions make sense? Should we continue using these questions? If not, what can we build upon? Or what can we take out and add in that might be new? And then that way you can continue to keep it relevant to what's going on today. Yeah, exactly. Well, your corporate value is going to change as you grow. And that's just part of the deal. I stopped you at step three. That was finding the training <laughs> tools. What is step so, four of this 10-step process? The step four is to actually do the learning journey. So take the time to use the tools, the training, and definitely check to see if there is any training internally that you can you know, use, any tools that you can use internally. If there's not, go outside, find opportunities to learn. There are a lot of different ways to learn how to interview out there in the world. So that's step four is actually taking the time to do the journey and to do the learning. I can bet that 90% of the companies out there don't have any tools or content for this. No. 
at all. No. Or it's, again, the canned training or training that maybe they bought that was in some system that they have. So it's not actually relevant to their business. Yeah, it was relevant in the 80s. I worked for a Fortune 500 company that didn't have training for their supervisors who did most of the bulk training in the call center. And so we had to develop it ourselves so that we could put them through the training. Because if not, it was literally taking someone who was a call center agent or a lead call center agent, promoting them to a supervisor and saying, yeah, you go hire somebody and not giving them any tools. So we had to build it from scratch. Let's be honest, call center agents, they have the worst scripts in the world. (laughs) They call you, hi, this is so-and-so from AT&T. You want, that's probably the same person who's doing the training. Step five. So step five is my favorite thing, which is understanding who your ideal candidate is and creating a candidate persona. So that is understanding who that person is, what are their motivators, and then understanding what they bring. So understanding what type of job titles, what kind of experience, skill sets, where can you find the person? So it's a really nice step that the hiring manager can actually connect and build a relationship with the recruiter to do so that you have really good information on the person that you're looking for. Then you're able to build a really strong interview guide, not only on the core values, but you're also looking at, okay, this is the position. This is the person I'm interviewing. These are the type of questions that are going to help figure out if they're the best fit. Um, And then also something that I think hiring managers fail on in the interview is providing a really solid employer brand of the company and telling them how this position fits in. So this is time for them to work with the recruiter to be able to sell the organization when they're interviewing. That employer branding word is hooey. It might be a little hooey, but there is a lot to it. You talk about (laughs) core values of an organization. If the hiring manager cannot communicate the core values to their potential new employee, then they failed. And that to me is employer branding, not the putting your logo on something. I see employer branding as what is the voice they have in the interview process. So if you expect your hiring manager to know your strategic initiatives for this year and communicate that to a candidate, that's employer branding. And it's not that you have a ping pong table. No, no. The ping pong table is <laughs> or not free lunch a part or any of it. that crap. Yeah, no, the happy hours not included. It's literally telling them what the company is, why they impact their customers or whoever they're focused on, and then how can that person be a part of it? Like, what are the things that they're going to be able to achieve in their role to help the company succeed? Boom. All right, step six. We have four more to go. <laughs> So at the step six is communicating with your recruiter or recruiting teams. They know what you're looking for. Communication is key. Hiring managers sometimes don't communicate a lot of great information to the recruiter. Often not. Often not. And so it's really important to build that relationship up front so that you have someone that's on your side trying to find the right person for you. I remember early in my career, I had a hiring manager that says, I swear to God, I'm not kidding. As long as they can spell Java, I'll hire them. And they've got some coding experience. I'm not shitting. That was pets.com. <laughs> See where they ended up. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. I mean, I used to joke that we had the fog the mirror test just to make sure they could breathe and then we would hire them. So yeah, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. So I mean, hiring managers definitely need to communicate to the recruiter to make sure we're in line. We're partners. We're partners in this process. We want to fill this position just as much as you do. Give us good information and we will take it and we'll definitely use it to find the right person for you. Got it. Step eight, 
Uh, wait, seven or eight? I forgot where we are. I lost track. We're on seven, and it's literally use the training, use the tools to help make a better decision while you're in the interview process. Be willing to pull the trigger, and step eight goes with it. It's okay to fail. Shake it off and try again. We have all hired shitty people in our lives. It happens to us all, and we have to be okay with it, and it we have to be able to move on. one percent of the time. Exactly. So it's okay. Actually, I, I make the argument sometimes that really, honestly, you have better odds if you just walk in, flip a coin, and then make the decision on the coin toss. Now that sounds like an amazing candidate experience. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Maybe in a casino, that would work. Have some odds or something. That would be know. kind of funny though. <laughs> <laughs> you walk in, you just flip a coin. Up, oh, heads, you're hired. Come on in. Come on in. <laughs> Tails, Start today. You, you got to go. And then step nine is just be open to feedback and open to continue to improve. Can't be stagnant. Just be willing to take that failure or to take information that you get from the recruiter or from a peer and just take it in, soak it in and try to do take better. Take it one step further. Get that feedback from the candidate. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. That's the most get invaluable. Get that feedback from your new hire. If you don't want to get it from the candidate you said no to at first, ask your new hire on day one. How did I do? But feedback is scary. (laughs) They might say you didn't do a good job. Right? (laughs) Totally. And then step 10. Step 10 is you are now a confident hiring manager. You carry this message to other hiring managers who are in trouble. And then you continue to practice these principles. And you are no longer a comparison shopper. And you can have your coin and you can start your journey as a confident hiring manager. (laughs) Well, shoot, we're just about out of time for today's show, Jody. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? Absolutely. So first off, be willing to take the time to learn, get the tools, get the training, and be okay when it fails. When you fail, shake it off, do it again. And I would definitely look at a candidate persona to make sure you know exactly who you're trying to hire. Perfect. Thanks so much, Jody, for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience could reach you, find your book, all that good stuff? Now's your plug time. Go. You can find me on LinkedIn. Both my company has a page, Lean Effective Talent Strategies. I have a personal page. Just type in Jody Brandstetter. And then my book is on Amazon. The book is called Hire by Design, a hiring blueprint with design thinking. And then we have the website hirebydesignbook.com where it features templates, blogs, and information to help you be a better hiring strategist. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jody. You've been thank you. fantastic guest today. Thank you. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We're listening and welcome your feedback. After all, this show is about you and building your company. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Shahar Arez. He is the co-founder and CEO of Stroke Talent. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success, Rick Turner.